You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. I'm your host, Jake Lisko. He's your host, James Rapine. Together, we make up the Locked On Bengals podcast, your only daily source for all things your seven and four. Cincinnati Bengals in the thick of the playoff hunt about to play some very meaningful December football. We'll talk about just how meaningful those games are and the playoff situation to finish up the show. But before we get there today, we're going to have a big old offensive line conversation for the most part. Everything's at least centered around the offensive line, which was, of course, an area of consternation for fans for this podcast going into the season and has for the most part, settled in. And lately, you could even say has exceeded expectations in some ways, and and I would say especially in the run game. So we'll talk about all of that. Jonah Williams spoke to the media today. There's a TJ Watt COVID storyline as he was in Joe Burrow's face that we need to talk about as well. But I think we have to start, James, with an injury on the offensive line. And and there were two injuries that were discussed by Zach Taylor in his Monday press conference. And they're both a little bit worrisome and, and we'll see how they play out this week. One of them on the offensive line is Riley reef. He injured his ankle. We think it happened on the Joe Burrow interception when he was trying to chase down the play afterwards. He did not play after that. He did not, Uh, Sorry, yeah, he didn't play after that. And and Zach Taylor said he could have potentially played in an emergency situation. Mm -hmm. Today saying he's going to need some tests. We're going to see what it's like. And so that's the big we'll see. The other injury, an ankle for for Chris Evans, a hamstring for Thaddeus Moss. Not as important as your starting right tackle with one of the Bosa's coming to town with the Los Angeles Chargers. Yeah, that's the... The big scary thing is, one, is he going to be healthy-ish and healthy enough to go and play at an effective level? And then if not, is it really Isaiah Prince time? <laughs> like That's not uh, necessarily ideal when there's a, a man by the last name of Bosa coming to town. And it does. It feels like the Bengals have to deal with one of these crazy all-world edge rushers every week or, or some kind of all-world pass rusher. It's just how it's played out so far this year. And you know, it's not going to get any easier the final six games of the season. But, yeah, hopefully Riley Reef is okay and, and good enough. I think we'll learn more, obviously, Wednesday if he's out there. But he's a veteran, and it didn't seem like Zach was too concerned. But I don't think he was as confident on Monday as he was Sunday. So take that for what you want to take it as. But uh, overall, this team has kind of dodged – serious injuries or the the injuries that would kind of derail your season, but uh, not having Riley reef, not that it would derail the season for a game, but uh, you'd certainly like to have him on Sunday against the chargers. It can make your life harder. And the good news on the injury front, Trey Hopkins, the, the update there was as confident on Monday as it was on Sunday, nothing major. So that is some good news. And I guess the other bit of good news is when you look at alignment for uh, Joey Bosa, he's playing a lot on the left side. He plays a little bit, th- bit on both sides and he will move around, but he he's only had one game where he took a majority of his snaps 
on the right side of the line of scrimmage. That was in week five against Cleveland. They moved him to the right side. So maybe you see that again if uh, if if you get a lot of – oh, wait. Am I getting this backwards? I'm, I'm reading this backwards. He predominantly plays on the left side of the defense, which means he would be on – yeah, there you go. He would be on the right tackle side. My yeah. bad. I read that wrong. So it is going to be a lot of Joey Bosa for whoever's playing right tackle. The Bengals, though, have been helping – in that area, we talked about it last week in the film review. We'll talk about it again tomorrow when Mike joins us to talk about the takeaways from the the drumming, drubbing, destruction, whatever you want to call it, of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Domination, ridiculously sure. awesome blowout that people loved in Cincinnati but hated in Pittsburgh. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, uh, they're chipping, early <laughs> chips. And, and there's a, a good highlight early out chips. there of one of the one of the – Joe Burrow throws where CJ Uzama gets a good little, not necessarily hit on Watt, but slows him down. And so that, that adjustment has been made. We saw that split back look a little bit against Pittsburgh as well. And it was Jamar chase in the backfield. So maybe you get a little bit more of that, but generally speaking, James to, to spend a minute on the offensive line here, absolutely dominant on the left side in the run game against the Steelers the the PFF grades bear it out the rewatch bears it out Quentin Spain with a couple snatch pancakes on Cam Hayward who is great that's as good as it gets he he pancaked him twice in pass protection mm-hmm. that's fantastic Jonah had a great game in run blocking uh and and Trey Hopkins you know injury scare aside has been pass blocking a lot better the last two weeks and if these guys are are starting to gel and it seems like they are this offensive line could be at that average spot we wanted them to be in the preseason. It's It would be so good if they do, right, if they can get to that point. And it, it seems like – I don't expect it yet because it still feels like it's you know the liability, certainly on offense, but the liability, the biggest concern on the team. That being said, you're right. It feels like that they're getting ever so close to, to average. Akeem Adenogy has been a stabilizer at right guard suddenly. It feels like they've been looking for someone to be just okay there. And okay is good enough, you know, if, if you have uh, what they have on offense. And the same thing with Trey Hopkins. And hopefully he can continue to take those strides. Zach Taylor mentioned he might be limited early in the week. Hopefully he can still practice because it feels like the Wednesday practices have benefited him. The extra reps have benefited him in this line Overall, I, I still think Jonah is, you know, the I obviously has the highest upside, probably the best offensive lineman in that room. But Quentin Spain has been so fun to watch. And, and I, I know that's your boy, and I get it. I love his attitude. I love how he goes by Mr. Undrafted, and he's going to prove everybody wrong. And that is the identity that this offensive line needs. Because even a guy like Jonah Williams, people doubted this offseason. Uh, first round pick, doubted him. Spain, doubted him. People are doubting Trey Hopkins still. No one expected Akeem Adenogy to be a, a starter, even in year two, as a sixth rounder. Just didn't think it, even though he got praised after the draft in 2020 and all that stuff. And then Riley Reef, he's a journeyman, former first rounder. He's fine. But, you know, so he's probably the least doubted out of all of them. But, yeah, I think, uh, I think the path to them becoming an average unit as a whole is much more realistic and it's almost a picture that we can – you don't want me painting it because I'm an awful artist, 
but it's a picture you could paint and visualize realistically, not in your dreams, which is not something I think we would have said, oh, I don't know, three weeks ago, six weeks ago, a month, you know, multiple months ago because of uh, how big of a liability this offensive line has been. And a big part of this is, yes, there is some individual skill development, left tackle, left guard, right tackle. You have individually better performances this year than what you got in most of 2020. Center seems like it's getting back to that point. Right guard, still a bit of a wild card, you know, a little up and down. But as you said, Adenergy seems to have stabilized things a little bit there. But a big reason that they seem to be finding the success is their the, the run game stuff is crystallizing the wide receivers and in wide receivers, offensive line, tight ends, quarterbacks, running backs are all bought in to this wide zone idea, this Frank Pollock idea. The idea that we thought was coming was Zach Taylor from the Rams in the first place in the running game. It took him a few years to get there. It took Frank Pollock's return to get there and, you know, run defenses aside, they're going to get some more soft run defenses the rest of the way. And look at how the Patriots are winning by the way, while the rest of the NFL is going, right toward the uh, the passing game, the Patriots are like, you know, we'll run power on you too. And we'll too gap you. We'll do all these old school things that everyone's forgotten how to do. The Bengals can do some of that too. And, and that really has come together in a big way in the last couple of weeks. They've adapted the way that they protect. They're, they're keeping guys in. They've got the early chips when they want to take shots. And outside of that, Joe Burrow, while he's taking some sacks he shouldn't, we've talked about that, he's generally been really good at getting the ball out quickly when they need to. So when they go to empty, the ball's out quick, even, even though he occasionally will take a sack there, right? So they're doing things to help the offensive line, and the offensive line is playing a little bit better. So these things combine for what we've seen, which has been a pretty stable product, at least for the last couple of weeks. More offensive line talk ties into the TJ Watt conversation. TJ Watt positive for COVID. We'll go there coming up next. In life, we're all bound for different things. But with beachbound.com vacations, you could be bound for adventure, bound for discovery, or bound for togetherness, immersion, rejuvenation, or maybe you're bound for encountering the unexpected. Personally, look, when I'm at the beach, I'm kicking my feet up. And uh, in relaxing, getting away from Jake Lisko, my guy, and, and having a nice cocktail. Or, you know, yeah, no, maybe Jake will we'll take a beachbound vacation together. That'd be fun, huh? Either way, beachbound vacations is going to find the place for you, the destination for you, what you're looking for. So, what are you bound for? Visit beachbound.com today. Well, James, there's a bit of a scare. Because TJ Watt has COVID and was all up in Joe Burrow's face on a play that yeah. Jonah Williams took exception to. We started the day talking about Riley Reef, the right tackle, and, and talking mm-hmm. about the offensive line and how well Jonah Williams has played. And on that very play, Quentin Spain, the first there to defend his quarterback after TJ Watt really extended uh, a block after an interception beyond what was maybe appropriate, or at least that seemed to be how Jonah Williams felt. Yeah, it was unnecessary, and I you know I ripped him after the game, TJ Watt. That is, um, and I put the the whole clip at allbangles.com or it's on on my other YouTube too. I tweeted it out. It's the easiest way to find it if, if you want to see the Jonah Williams clip. But uh, uh, I'll read the quote here, one of the quotes, because we we talked. I hogged the mic for about two minutes during this Zoom and asked him three questions about it. But he said, "quote I don't think 
he would have blocked anyone else on the field in the same ma- same manner. And he said, I don't like seeing anyone hit my quarterback like that. So I don't necessarily know the rules, whether or not it was clean or dirty necessarily is what I was asking him. He said, but I definitely don't like it. And that's the thing. I don't know if it was necessarily dirty, right? Joe Burrow just kind of downplayed it. Zach Taylor downplayed it. And that's probably because they don't want the controversy. But it is BS. Like there's a difference between dirty and unnecessary BS. And I think it definitely falls under the unnecessary BS. And so now you have Bengals fans asking you, probably certainly asking me, well, does this impact things now with TJ Watt on the COVID-19 reserve list? And it's a damn shame because Watt didn't get close to Burrow all damn day as a pass rusher. I don't know, you know, that's his job. And he didn't get close to him, but he does this unnecessarily. And so now we have to, to worry about it a little bit. Here's what I know. Joe Burrow's vaccinated. He's um, not a close contact now because of that. But will he get tested? He's got to get tested once a week anyway. Uh, so I imagine. And, and it's really not just TJ Watt. The fact that there is someone that tested positive on the other team. Now you're going to maybe see a, a case or two, much like after the Browns game when we saw Chidobe Wujie, Marcus Bailey. There were multiple positive COVID tests in the Bengals locker room after the Browns had a mini outbreak. Hopefully that's not the case this week because you, you don't have the luxury of the buy. But yeah, the uh, the TJ Watt stuff, man. It uh, I think Jonah was right, and, and I, I'm glad that he spoke up. I asked him for a reason because I thought maybe an offensive lineman wouldn't downplay it, and uh, I gave him a day to you know digest it, watch the film, and, and obviously it was an unnecessary play. There's a couple things there, right? One, you, you love the offensive lineman standing up for their quarterback is something that we – wanted to see this year we have seen it we've seen the sideline get animated asking for joe burrow to be protected and slowly he's getting a few more calls in that area i mean it could be could be better for sure right i I feel like there's still some hits he takes that you know he could use a little bit more protection but slowly you're seeing that come along and and hearing jonah talk about it openly in a press conference you know hopefully it doesn't stir up too much when the Bengals go for their fourth straight win against the Steelers next year. That's right. Fourth straight win against the Steelers in 2022 because they're not going to the playoffs uh, and they're not going to play again this year. Hopefully it doesn't kick up controversy then, but you you like to see it. And that's the kind of attitude you like. The other thing that I liked in Jonah Williams press conference was the, uh, the mention of the cart. Is there a bigger fan of the cart James? than Jonah Williams. He, he has a mug. This man has a mug with a picture of the cart on it, and he holds it up in the middle of his press conference to talk about it. Yeah, look, I like I like Jonah Williams' sense of humor, and with that big-ass beard, he can say stuff and not, uh, not make any expression, and it's just hilarious. He's got that Hagrid beard. Uh, my Harry Potter fans will, will get that reference. Um, but yeah, he, uh, he said that that Mike Cart mug – was a gift from his brother. His brother took a took one of the pictures of the cart and made a custom mug, apparently. And and so, kudos to that. Hopefully, it's a nice mug. I am a little jealous because this Mike cart is more famous than us or anybody else that covers the Bengals. It's ridiculous, but uh, uh, I'm just kidding about the jealous part. But it is it is kind of funny how um, how Jonah Williams has has taken a you know. Um, a uh, love for you know has has so much love for the card. Jonah Williams has memes. 
you know, he's maybe not the best dancer. He, you know, he said, I think he was fine. I think he was fine. I do too. I'm talking, I'm using his words, right? Like he's like, I don't care if I make a fool out of myself. I'm just out there to celebrate with the boys. Well, people, people got on Hakeem and Denergy's case too. I mean, it's a two step. Like it's, it's not that. Yeah. There's not much to that one. I, I thought they did a good job either way, but it's nice to see these offensive linemen having fun. We talked a lot about the defense yesterday. I wanted to spend some time in this episode shining the light on the offensive line who, and, and the entire offense and coaching staff, quite frankly, who everyone's like, they need to draft Penny Sewell or, or fire everybody. They're ne- negligent. They're, they're recklessly endangering Joe Burrow. And yeah, he's taken some hits he shouldn't have taken this year. And there are times that the offensive line in pure drop back passing situations has left something to be desired. I mean, you go back a couple weeks to the Browns game. That's not so good when you're in that situation, but when you're running the ball well and you're in your game script, this offensive line is built for those situations. You just, you know, can't spot the other team a 20 point lead. And, and I mean, that's hard for anybody. It's especially hard against miles Garrett. So credit to the offensive line for taking some steps especially in run blocking the past few weeks. It'll be fun to see that keep up because I don't think the Chargers are great against the run. And and then I think they've got a, a few teams down the stretch, the Chiefs, the Ravens, some teams that they should be able to still run against. And I'm excited to see that and see how this balanced offense, this, this bilateral approach where they can win in multiple ways plays out because I think they can win in multiple ways. And we talked about it yesterday. We've seen it the last couple of weeks and, and earlier in the season. They'll have more opportunities to show that the rest of the way as they continue to fight for this playoff berth. And the playoff odds conversation gets pretty interesting, James. I've got some simulators up. We can talk about that. We can talk about what what the uh, various ELO rankings see from the Bengals as this season is approaching meaningful December football in Cincinnati. So we'll discuss coming up next. Bet online has you covered all season long. You hear us talk about them. You need to get to betonline.ag because they have more odds, props, and contests than you could imagine. So whether it's something as simple as, I don't know, maybe a little Joe Mixon prop bet, maybe you're going to take the Bengals to win the AFC North or Joe Burrow to win comeback player of the year. You can do all of that on BetOnline's new updated desktop or their mobile site, which I use regularly and it is so simple to use. So check them out right now, betonline.ag. And when you sign up and you make that first deposit, use promo code locked on, you're going to get a 50% welcome bonus. It's that simple. Promo code locked on for a 50% welcome bonus, free money that you can use on Joey B and company on Sunday this week uh, against the Justin Herbert and the Chargers. Or maybe you want to bet on Steph Curry, or maybe you want to bet on my University of Cincinnati Bearcats as they try to make a run at the college football playoff. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Again, use that promo code locked on. Bet online, where the game starts. Playoffs? That's right. We're talking playoffs on the <laughs> Locked On Bengals podcast. And the, the reason that I bring this up is when you look at the remaining games for the Cincinnati Bengals, 538 gives each game a score to, to give it an overall, you know, how, how fun will this game be to watch? For example, against the Chargers this week, they give the quality of the game a 64 out of 100. 
the importance of the game, a 98. So what does that mean, a 98 importance of the game? Well, it means that the Bengals win the game. Currently at 65% to make the playoffs in the 538 model, they jump up to about 80% to make the playoffs. So plus 15% to make the playoffs if they win this game in the 538 model. If they lose this game, down to 42%. That's minus 20-some-odd percent if they lose the game in that model. And pretty much every game remaining for the Bengals this year is, is in that same boat. So 98 for importance against the Chargers. And then against the 49ers, this is their least important, in quotes, game the rest of the year, 88 in performance. The so next week, where is the next week? I've lost the next week. I found it yesterday when I was looking at this stuff, and now it's not here. The Ravens is 97 in in week 16, so you get the idea. They're all 90, 95, 96, 97, 98 importance. A lot riding on these games, and and when you look at playoff odds right now, it looks good. They're they're at seven and four. You go three and three the rest rest of the way, ten and seven. Yeah, probably gets in. So a little bit of breathing room against some good teams down the stretch. Yeah, and and that was why Sunday night, for as cool as it would be to move into first place in the North, the fact that the Ravens beat the the Browns, knock them down a peg, you get a little breathing room there, game and a half. You have the the lead that you got yourself on the Steelers. Now you can do it again this week against the Chargers, and that's the key. It's the fifth seed in the AFC Bengals, seventh seed Chargers. You want to win that tiebreaker. You want to give yourself an edge winning games like this. It's huge, huge, huge when you're talking about this weird AFC where there's a bunch of blah and there's going to be really, really good teams that emerge. And then there's going to be teams that fall back down to earth. And a couple of weeks ago, it felt like the Bengals were falling back down to earth and then they pressed that boost button. And you know, that that's something you can get from built bar, by the way, the boost button. And so you do that, press the boost button, boom, now you're seven and four and those playoff odds, boom, jump up again. So that's something that, uh, that, that is going to fluctuate. But here's the thing, Jake, if they can win, get to eight and four, uh, you're going to slowly see the importance of some of these games. I think it would drop more because, because they separate themselves. And so that's part of it is you're hoping, if you're a Bengals fan, to see that importance number slowly or or maybe quickly if they win a couple games here drop because they're doing what they need to do in handling business and you know if you had to pick games it's obviously all of the AFC games and and you're right the 49ers of all of them if you had to pick one to lose that would be the one every game just incredibly important down the stretch which is fun for us it's fun for fans and and it's more fun for fans if they win so hopefully they win. If they win their next three games, oh. they're pretty much in the playoffs, right? So it's more, like, it's more fun for us if they win too. I got to be honest. That's that's hundred percent true. But but <laughs> it's more fun to talk about a win than a loss. <laughs> you get to ten and four, right? You're in the playoffs, which is you know we'll see how we look back on some of the games this season. But they, they to put it in their terms, they have everything in front of them. Their their fate is is very much in their own hands right now, which is a situation the Bengals haven't been in going into December since well, I don't even know if December mattered in 2015. Cause they got off to such a hot start. I mean, it was probably 
before it, that, it was about the number one seed in 2015. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's what we were talking about. So, uh, looking at another site, football outsiders also does playoff odds. They've updated things after the Sunday games, the Bengals plus 17 and a half percent in football outsiders odds up to about 53% second highest chance to get into the playoffs in the division football outsiders remain skeptical of the Bengals. They've been skeptical of the Bengals all year. They think that, you know, even some of their quality wins like Pittsburgh and, uh, and Vegas, they, they don't think those game those teams are very good. They do think uh. Baltimore is good. So, so that is like certainly a very quality win in their system, but still, I think when, when the DVOA comes out tomorrow, we're going to see the, the football outsiders rankings, which are all math driven and have a pretty good track record of being predictive, be a little bit bearish, a little bit down on the Bengals. But all that being said, they do like the Bengals chance to make the playoffs much more this week than last week. And if they can win another game currently at 53% compared to the chargers at 52%, you imagine these teams in very similar situations, right? And so this game, Again, very, very important. The last thing I'll note here, James, is that going back to 538, they do ELO rankings every week. The Bengals back in the top 10 after beating the Steelers ahead of the Rams, ahead of the Chargers, and ahead of some of the AFC fringe playoff contenders like the Colts, Broncos, and Browns. So there you go. The Cincinnati Bengals moving on up in One thing some I- rankings. One thing I wanted to mention, I just wanted to check before I, I misspoke. Uh, I, I don't want to say that they're not in the running for the top seed in the AFC, by the way, because they technically are. Now, do, do you buy them as that? I don't know about that. But, I mean, if they catch the Ravens, right, who, who knows? Right now the Patriots are the two seed. You got the Ravens. You know, the, the Bills are a wild card. If if things played out the way they are right now, they'd play the Chiefs in the playoffs in the wild card round. But, yeah, they, they – Everything, literally anything they could possibly have wanted with this season, division, uh, buy, all of that stuff is in front of them. Is it realistic to expect that? No, I don't think so. Um, That being said, are they capable of making a run? I'm not going to say no, because what the hell do I know after what I said about the defense and the fact that they've, uh, you know, kind of shored things up there at least a little bit. So uh, this is, you're right, it's really exciting. And there's so many different outcomes. And I think the magical number is 10. Nine isn't going to be good enough because if they only have nine wins, they're going to lose some of these games that are going to cost them in the tiebreakers. 10, I think they're going to be a lot of nine and eight teams, a lot of eight, nine teams, uh, teams that are eight and eight going into that final week. And so if they can put themselves at a notch above that, I think they're going to find themselves uh, in the postseason. So uh, winning these back-to-back games after the bye, huge, huge, huge. And we'll see if they can keep it wrong against the Chargers this Sunday. We'll see if they can get to a three-game win streak, which you know ha- has been tough for happened. them. They haven't done it this year, and they're gonna have some really yeah, they're gonna have some really difficult opponents down the stretch. But if they go out and play well against the Chargers and and have a couple good games out here against you know the Chargers, the 49ers, the Broncos, the Chiefs, the Chiefs being the big one, right? Like how do they hang with Patrick Mahomes and the chiefs who have had their issues this year, but I think are not a great matchup in some ways for this defense. Like, I don't think that's a matchup that any defense looks forward to with no. Patrick Mahomes and Tyreek Hill and, and, and Travis Kelsey. Kelsey. Uh, 
if they can play well in those games, then you'll have a believer in me. Right. Right now I'm still like, I think they're, I'm going to use uh Nate Tice's words from the athletic football show. I think they're a legitimate playoff team right now, but, and they might even win a playoff game. I'm, I'm not even saying like, they're just going to go be a wild card team and lose. I think they could win a playoff game, but for, for me to believe that they're going to really make noise in the AFC, which is wide open right now, they need a couple more wins over some of these other AFC teams in the playoff picture, because the only one of those they have right now against the team that's really pushing in the AFC playoff picture is the Baltimore Ravens. And that's a great, great win, but you know, do it against the chargers, do it against the chiefs. Then you're going to have some real believers and and you're going to have some momentum going. And this team is going to have a lot of belief in itself. Not that I think they need it because I think they are very confident. I believe Zach Taylor when he says that, but that's how you build some confidence, some real belief that you can beat these teams because you've played them. Yeah, I totally agree. You know, the next six weeks, they're going to have a lot of tests in the San Francisco 49ers. I get it. It doesn't have the playoff impact, but they're, hitting their stride and it's tough to play teams like that, that are really starting to play well and and you try to stop their momentum a bit. So yeah, I think uh, we're going to figure out what this team is and are they playing like a playoff team? The past two weeks they have two weeks prior to that they had. And so uh, will they continue to go up? Will they drop down? Will it be this roller coaster that we've seen so far this season? We'll, uh, We'll start to get more of a complete picture. It's tough. It's tough as a young team too. So I wouldn't be shocked if we see them go up and down a little bit more this year. Credit the coaches. Credit these young players for for coming together, for making adjustments over the course of the year, for growing. You know, Zach Taylor's job, pretty damn safe. Nobody's talking about the Zach Taylor hot seat. Some people are still talking about Zach Taylor for coach of the year. Brian Callahan's getting some talk in the NFL.com article. He's, he's on the honorable mention list for future head coaching candidates along with Dan Pitcher, depending on how things go with Joe Burrow the next few years. So, you know, there, there's a couple ways this thing could go. And it's not what we were talking about at the beginning well, of the it, season. And that's a lot of they, fun. Yeah, if they go, let's say they, they make a run here. Let's say they win four out of the next six and they beat the Chiefs and, you know, they handle business against the Chargers and maybe they win a playoff game. Brian Callahan's probably getting interviews. And, and not just interviews for to, – to, for the fact to interview him. Like, I, I think there's a, a chance there. Like, d- did anybody think about Zach Taylor at the start of December? And Apparently. then suddenly, you know what I'm saying? And, and then suddenly, you know, it picked up steam and the, the Rams were hitting their stride and it just, so that it happens. And he, he's just one of the many examples. So uh, yeah, it, it is kind of crazy when we talk about coaching future, we're almost talking about, right, could, could that assistant get a look versus, Hey man, is, is Zach Taylor on the, the hot seat? You know, Hell, I led that that conversation. He was six twenty five and one. I think that was a fair conversation to have. Seven and four, not so much. Quite a turnaround for these coaches, for this team, for these fans, for this organization. Second game of a three game home stretch coming up tomorrow. We look back at the Steelers game one last time with Mike Santagata. We get onto our film review, our film takeaways. What drove the beat down of the Pittsburgh Steelers? on the Bengals' first game of their homestand. We'll get there tomorrow. Until then, Bengals fans, who day, and have a good one.